Well, it's great that you could join us today and wherever you're watching from around the world. I do speak the blessing of God upon you and may his face shine upon you. Today I want to talk to us and continue from my series, what I was talking about last week, about soul health, spirit, soul and body, and, and, and how soul health comes to our lives through the power of right thinking. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 5, and let's pick it up from verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, picking up at verse level, uh, verse 11, sorry. It says, we have much to say about this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. He said, you need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. But solid food is for the mature. This word that God speaks to us is for not the immature, it's for the mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, when it comes to... God speaking to his people, to his church about his word, his will, his ways. There is much to say. There's much to be said. And yet Paul addresses the issue straight away that he said there's much to say, but it's hard to explain. Why is it hard to explain? Because of you, because of me, because of the church. He said, you're slow to learn. Now what he was saying here is that he was addressing the, the problem in the midst of the Hebrew believers. He said, actually, guys, your potential and your destiny in God is actually hindered and derailed and sidelined because of your inability to learn and to grasp. Now, just think about that for a second. If the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you and I greater insight, greater depth, greater knowledge, greater wisdom, but he can't do it because you and I are slow to learn. It's fair to suggest that our own potential and our own destiny in God is going to be greatly hindered and sabotaged because of yours and mine, the ability that is, to grasp and to learn. So our very development is determined by our ability to learn. Now put that in context your development and its potential, your destiny, your purpose is all subject to your ability to learn and to grasp. Wow. Now, in order to learn, we have to unlearn in order to relearn. These things that you and I have been taught, these things that have been said to us, these things that in our lives that were taught to us that as we get older, we realize they weren't quite exactly the way it was taught. That's not true. We, we find our new experiences actually prove some of the things that we were once taught not to be true. And this goes on and on in people's lives. But Paul said solid food is for the mature. Solid food. Not every day with Jesus. Not that that's a wrong thing. But that can't, that's only supplementary. That can't be the main food. If you're living by every day with Jesus, it's not enough. That's like asking children to live on spaghetti hoops for the rest of their life. 
Spaghetti hoops are not bad, providing you put it with other food. But spaghetti hoops, really, on its own? I'm sorry, it's not enough. He says, what, what Paul says, solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now let me suggest, let me, let me add some things to what Paul hasn't said, but I think he has said throughout scripture. So they're able to distinguish good from evil or truth from lies or the truth right from wrong facts or facts from other people's opinions or suspicion or responsibility uh, from hurts and feelings. You, You must be able to separate these things and distinguish truth from suspicion. Right from wrong, opinions from what actually is the truth, lies from the truth. Now, all these things, you and I, must be able to distinguish, but if we cannot, or if we don't have the capacity to learn, to grasp, to unlearn, then our soul is going to be greatly affected by our inability to do these things. So, If we're going to distinguish the difference between good and evil in our lives, then it's going to require a different level of thinking. A different level of thinking. Now, this level of thinking is going to to either affect your... It's going to affect the health of your soul or it's going to enhance the life and the the spontaneity and the and the the power of your soul yeah thinking determines the health of our soul it does so last week i used uh, a uh, quote from um, american writer futurist and businessman alvin toffler and he said this statement which i think is a phenomenal statement which and it's one that we cannot ignore no he's not a christian but it doesn't matter What he says is absolutely true. He's bang on point. And he says this, that the illiterate of the 21st century, now the illiterate, it says it's not those who can't read. It's not those who can't write. But it's those who cannot learn, unlearn, and learn. There's a process there. Watch it. It's three levels. Those who cannot learn. What does that mean? People who have no inward capacity to learn or to relearn. They're just, they're, they're fixed in what they, they know. They're not bothered to change what they know. They're going to keep on living life with what they know, irrespective if it's good, bad, or indifferent. Wow. Then there's the next level, the unlearning. These are people who refuse to change channel. They refuse to change the channel. Now, if that channel's negative, can you imagine the devastation that that's what's going to take place inside their soul if they refuse to unlearn? Well, and then ultimately, that is the relearning. Those who carefully consider what they're being taught, what what people are speaking to them, those who will willingly open up their hearts to new neural pathways of thinking. Okay. In my experience as a pastor... I have seen, certainly in the body of Christ, and this true could, uh, the same could be said if, uh, outside of church, that right now there are countless millions of people who are walking on planet Earth, walking into churches, walking out of churches, who, to me, 
they suffer from internal bleeding. You think, wow, what do you mean by that? In other words, they have poor soul health. And they bleed because they refuse to unseat their emotions, be unseated in their thinking. They refuse to change their thoughts, their emotions. They refuse to allow somebody to come in and recorrect what life and people have distorted and destroyed in them. And as a result of this, they walk around life feeling hurt, feeling hard done by, feeling other people have caused their bleeding. And yet the evidence is there, there is a trail of blood that is the result of what has gone on before them. Now, they, don't, they may see it, they may not see it. That's irrespective. When people live with unforgiveness, when you and I live with unforgiveness, we start to bleed internally. Oh yeah, this is so important. This is why God says to us, the Father tells us that if we don't forgive others, how can the Heavenly Father forgive us? He says, look, this unforgiveness is going to create an internal hemorrhaging inside you and me. This is the power of unforgiveness. This is, this is coming from a God who so loved the world, who saw your wrongs and my wrongs, and yet decided to cover over them, not ignore them, cover them with, by the blood. God does never ignore he never does ignore and never will ignore unforgiveness. What he does, he paid the price so our, our unforgiveness, our sin, could be covered by his blood. Now, you and I, once we know that we're hurting and we've got unforgiveness, we must surrender it to the Lord. When, how do you know you've got unforgiveness? How many negative thoughts do you have towards specific people in any one given day? Wow. How many negative thoughts to maybe to, to certain people, to one, to one person, do you have in one day? There is a classic indication of you carrying around internal bleeding towards that person or towards that crowd of people. That's, that's an issue that needs forgiveness. Your unforgiveness in that area keeps you thinking and thinking and projecting towards that one person, towards that people. That tells me and that tells the Father in heaven that there is an internal issue going on inside of you that needs to be fixed. And it brings poor soul health. Wow. That's serious. People hurt. It's said that hurting people hurt people. Why do hurting people hurt people? Because of this internal issue that because it's a womb that's open, anyone who goes near it or says anything that, uh, that reminds them there's an internal hurt, they instantly kick off and begin to portray and project all their inward hurt onto other people. So hurting people do hurt people. Now the thing is, is when hurting people fall down, or they fall in a hole, they will naturally try to reach out to somebody to help them. But they only reach out at the point when they're falling. Now here's the dangerous thing. If you and I go in there and grab hold of them, the very nature is they'll pull you into the hole with them. And if they pull you into the hole with them, what's inside them will eventually come into you. And then there's two people with internal bleeding. So we must be very, very careful that when we see people like this, we must be very careful before we reach out. A person with unforgiveness can be very, very, very dangerous. So how, 
Uh, last week I used a phrase, put a stitch in it. Put a stitch in it. I said, if you're going to stand in front of me as a pastor and you're going to bleed in my presence, then do not find it strange that when I lean out to you to try and put a stitch into your womb. Well, what does it mean to put a stitch into someone's womb? To put a stitch is to be patient, to be careful, and to sow new threads of positive, truthful, accurate thinking inside a person. Now, not everyone who bleeds will stand still and let you put a stitch in them. No, no, no. And therefore, you can't unless they'll stand still. Now, many, many Christians who come into a church on a Sunday, they'll sit down for 45 minutes to an hour to listen to the preacher, and you think, well, because they're still, they're letting you... Lord, they're letting the Holy Spirit stitch them up on the inside to make them strong. But don't confuse them being still to them internally being active. For many people, they're, they're responding, they're reacting to what the Holy Spirit's doing. So the Holy Spirit can't prune. He can't stitch internally. So therefore, they go out with just as much damage as they came in. In some cases, they use what's being said to further their hurts. They make it personal. Well, how do we sow new stitching into people? Well, we do it by bringing enlightenment as to the Father's love. If you can show people that God loves them and God's opinion of them is far greater than their opinion, then this enlightenment will cause them to internally surrender to a higher power. That's my belief anyway. And these people will then make better conclusions. Well, how do we keep on sowing uh, new... uh, How do we stitch people up who are hurting well we do it by disarming them and by giving them hope that they don't have to stay in that place there is a better way we can re-empower them how do we put a stitch into someone by helping them to take responsibility for their incorrect thinking for their unforgiveness for their attitude this is has to be done under the holy spirit this is not just me shouting at somebody you shouting at me this has got to be done through the leading of the holy spirit not all people will respond but i believe more people will if we are careful if we're patient if we're constructive not destructive if we're constructive if we keep sowing what's right keep doing what's right eventually my hope and my belief is is that eventually it will affect the brokenhearted well we must outline we must outline first of all that what is wrong in order to move people to what is right well let's go to daniel chapter 10 I want to show you now the right and wrong thinking is a theme that runs throughout the New Testament. God wants you and I to have good soul health because we live in a body with a soul. We have a spirit and the soul is always undermining what the spirit says. So if we can get the soul healthy, the spirit will always be the leader inside of us. The body will follow, the soul will follow Because the spirit has to be the leader inside you and I. But if the soul all the time is talking, it will bring stress and sickness into the body and it will shut the spirit down. And therefore, if the spirit within you is shut down, heaven can't get through. So let's look at Daniel. I want you to see Daniel's attitude. I want you to see what scripture says about Daniel and his thinking. Watch this. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And then he continued. Don't be afraid, Daniel. 
This is the angel talking to Daniel. He said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. Let me read that again to you because it's so powerful. And then he continued, don't be afraid, Daniel. So there's a, there's a, there was a breakthrough that Daniel was looking for. He was caught in the midst of, of a spiritual battle and he was waiting for God to come and deliver him. And here he is in his vision, he sees this angel and the angel comes as Daniel, I've come to encourage you, watch this. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Well, first of all, we see this. Since the day that you set your mind, he says. Since the day you set your mind. Now, that's a a specific direction. That's a specific focus that Daniel gave his mind. Now, if you're going to bring yourself into soul health, your mind has to be set on a specific focus. It can't be free. It can't be free to go anywhere it wants. It can't be free to think about people in any way it chooses. Your mind has to be set. If you're going to bring your soul into health, your mind has to be set. It can't be thinking any way it wants and thinking you can get away with it. It doesn't work like that. So we see Daniel's mind was set. In other words, Daniel had focused his mind to learn, to unlearn, in order that he could ultimately learn. His mind was set, it was focused, it was put on a track, it was given direction. The next thing we see, since the first day your mind was set, watch this, to gain understanding. The purpose of Daniel setting his mind was to gain a new understanding. Wow. If you keep thinking what you keep thinking, then you will always keep thinking what you've always thought. But if you're going to set your mind on a new track, then you need to gain new understanding. Not all that you thought about people, or not all you thought about God, or not all you thought about your boss or your life is true. It's not. So a new understanding comes when the mind is focused and it's switched on and it's open. You know, how many times have you walked into a room and you've, you've looked at somebody and you've made an opinion and you've made a judgment about a person and in your mind they are this. And then all of a sudden later on in the day or later on in the week you get to talk to that person. Now you don't just see them, now you get to meet them. And as you dialogue with them you realise how wrong you was. Now, we've all done that. We've all done that. Now, your mind at that point was open to realise that you were wrong. But what happens when you don't do that? What happens when your mind stays closed? What happens if you didn't get the opportunity to meet somebody and change that perspective of yours? Does your, do you always have to have an encounter with someone before your mind changes about them? Or can't you adjust yourself from a distance? Wow. There's... There's a big statement right there. So the next thing we see, so since the first day you set your mind, it was focused. The next thing, to gain understanding, I'm just breaking down this this scripture of Daniel. The next thing he says, you humbled yourself before God. Now there is the secret of you and I coming into soul health. Humbling ourselves before God. Oh God, if I'm wrong, show me. 
Now, if you turn around and say, oh, God, if I'm wrong, show me. I don't think I'm wrong, God. In fact, I believe, Lord, I, I, I'm right. But, Lord, if I'm wrong, prove it to me. Whoa, whoa, stop. There's no humbling going on in that dialogue. Humility says, Father, whether I'm right or wrong is not the issue, Father. You, the spirit of truth in me, must speak to me. I want to know the truth in this area. So, Holy Spirit, I look to you. Give me your word. Give me your ways. Show me, oh God, what is right. Show me where I'm wrong. He humbled himself before God. Now, the Bible says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why does God resist the proud? Because the mind is set on the wrong thing. The mind is set on the soul. The next thing he says, listen to what what was said. Before... um, let me say, the day after that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now, the last part of this is God can't respond until the other things are put into place. God heard the words and then saw the heart, saw his mind was focused, and then God came in response. Many of you are not getting answers to your prayers. Many of you are frustrated. Many of you listening to me today are frustrated in your relationship with God. Could it be, could it be that your mind is not set, that your heart is not humble before God, so therefore God cannot come in response to what you're asking. In other words, because your heart is wrong and your mind is wrong, God can't respond to what you're saying. You know, we'll find that when our heart's right and our thinking's right, the response to God immediately follows. Response, God's response is according to our heart and to our thinking. Wow. All we, you know, when our words are heard, all that we've been asking, all that we've been seeking God for is acknowledged and it's accepted and now God comes Why? It comes because it's a legitimate request. A legitimate request. You and I are praying things that God cannot respond to because your request is illegitimate. Why is it illegitimate? Because your heart is wrong. You ask wrong, so therefore God can't answer. Or you you pray scripturally wrong. Or you pray emotionally wrong. Or psychologically wrong. Or scripturally wrong. Wrong is still wrong. God can't respond to what's wrong. But if your heart's right, God can come and show you why you were wrong and where you were wrong. That's a difference. There's a difference. And he says, I've come in response to them. The angel came in response to everything that Daniel has said. You know, help will be sent when you align yourself in the right thinking patterns. So a wrong attitude will lead to the development of poor soul health. So let me say that again. Your wrong attitude, my wrong attitude, will lead to the developing of poor soul health. Daniel gives us a wonderful illustration of when your hearts are right, how everything is lined, when everything is lined up, God will come to us. But let's look at beyond that now and let's look at a poor attitude. Amplify, uh, let's go to the James chapter 1, picking up at verse 13. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version of James 1.13. It says, Let no one say when they are tempted, I am being tempted by God. 
For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. From our own flaws. You might want to write that one down. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, notice this, dragged away, enticed, and baited. In other words, in brackets, to commit sin. By his own worldly desires, lust, and passions. Then when the illicit desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run, run its course, it gives birth to death. Spiritual death first, even depending on how bad that sin is, it may even lead a person into physical death. Do not be misled, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now, in this scripture, it's talking about temptation. Now, temptation, when we are tempted, we are first tempted, first and foremost, in our thinking. Temptation starts in the mind. So the soul begins to have cravings and it begins to, the mind picks up the soul and the mind then begins to interpret it with certain styles, certain depths, certain influences of thinking. The soul feels, the mind interprets what the soul is, th- uh, is feeling and the mind then begins to think on those things. So the mind then says, I am being tempted or God is, is temp- tempting me. Well, we've already seen here, scripture says God cannot tempt. Now, we must understand that when in the book of Genesis, when God spoke to Adam and Eve as to what the rule was, He left them to think for themselves based on what he'd already said. He said, don't eat from the tree of good and evil. Eat from the tree of life. They were told, they were instructed what to think about. But then the serpent comes up and he begins to tempt them and challenge the very thinking that God had already planted into their minds. So the instruction now is under siege. You and I often know what we should do, but we fight against what we should do because what we want to do is often contrary to what we should do. And the emotions and the desires inside of us become a strong, powerful force that begin to unseat the instruction and the the accurate way of thinking, all because the soul is now beginning to take control over the mind. Wow. So what happens is, when this suggestion comes from the soul into the mind, it puts a temptation into us, and uh, it drives us towards a particular outcome. Mm. Let's pick up verse 14, wrong of this verse of James. Wrong thinking entices us, and it will drag us away from truth. Wrong thinking entices us, internally entices us, and it drags us away from the truth and from the facts. Wrong thinking clouds. It's a cloud. You talk about, you know, we live in a society where the language is, everything's in the cloud. Well, if we look up in natural and we look in, in the cloud, we see clouds look like fog to us. Now, if you're in the midst of a cloud, you're foggy. You can't think straight you can't see straight you can't uh, 
process clearly. That's exactly what wrong thinking does. It entices us and it drags us away from the truth. It drags us away so that our judgments and our conclusions end up becoming wrong and sinful. So thinking entices us and it drags us away from the truth. Now let's pick up the latter part of this verse 14. It, inside that thinking, there, inside that soul, there is desires and there is lust. Lust for the wrong things of life. Lust and desire have a voice. They have a voice. Yes. See, lust isn't only sexual. You can lust over something that's evil. And you can constantly can dominate you. You can think wrong about a person and you lust. Evil as lust. Wrong as, as a lust. Why? Because he's constantly bombarding us from the inside towards a certain outcome. Lust and passion can often be uncontrolled emotions. What one person calls passion, another person calls abuse. We must always control our passion. Passion isn't a carte blanche. It's not a green light to do anything. Why? Because passion has to be put, set in the, on the lines of what's right and wrong. Because if we don't have a wrong perspective, if we don't have a right perspective, we'll never understand wrong. We must have a right setting. And Daniel set his mind. Remember that. So we understand that power, uh, desires and lust that uncontrolled in, uh, of in, uncontrolled emotions have a real powerful force and energy that when they are transmitted, they can pull us and pull others into other directions. You can influence others with your wrong thinking. People do it every day. You can be misled. You can be buried in a hole because of you get carried away by listening to others. So let's go to Psalm 7. Psalm 7, verse 14. Listen to this. Psalm 7, verse 14. He who is pregnant. Now, he can't be talking about a physical woman because it would have to say she who is pregnant. So he's talking about pregnancy that's not to do with childbirth, but in terms of evil, thinking, lust, passions, desires, all those things. So, Get that in context. He who is pregnant with evil and conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment. Now, when the soul is sick, it gives birth to trouble. It gives birth to disillusionment. Oh, yeah. It gives birth to trouble and disillusionment. Listen to what it says. And he who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the very pit they've made. And then, listen what happens. The trouble he causes recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. So, in other words, this soul health that you and I, if we adopt this, will have an, will have an action. And this action, if we keep sowing this action, it will cause us to dig a hole. And eventually it will fall on us. In other words, what we sow is what we reap. So if we sow with a bad soul, if we sow things from a poor soul health, we will reap, it will come back. Now this is Bible, this is principle. So you watching me today, if you recognise any of the traits that I'm talking to you about today, it's going to come back onto you. If you do not listen and learn from what is being said. So at this point, if you want to learn, you also now are faced with the challenge of, Unlearning. 
immediately now, listening to Psalm 7 and verse 14 and 15 and 16, if you are going to learn, then it's indicative that you now have to unlearn to get rid of some stuff so ultimately you can relearn because you don't want your soul and all that your soul is sowing into life and into others to come back on you because what you sow you will reap now verse 15 of that same scripture when an illicit thought has entered into your mind it conceives and gives birth to sin so my wrong thinking my emotions are wrong. My emotions start to feel certain certain way. They now inform the brain. The brain starts to think. It now starts to uh, mule. Uh, sorry, it starts to muse. Sorry about the possibilities and how I can do this and how I can do that. And it's moving towards an action. It's getting ready to move towards an action. And this action, the Bible says, is called. Sin, it gives birth to sin. You feel it, you carry it, and then it's expressed in the form of an action. Whether it's words or whether it's things you touch, things you say, things you see that you shouldn't be seeing, things, places you go that you shouldn't be going, eventually it will give birth to an action. And when it gives birth to an action, it's called sin. And sin gives birth to a child. And that child is called spiritual death or even physical death. Genesis chapter 4. Listen to what he said. God tried to warn. Cain slew Abel. Cain, I can see from afar that you have got poor soul health. In fact, the more you think about what you're thinking about, the more it's turning you inside. Watch this. The more it's challenging you, the more your emotions, the more anger, the more rage, the more fury that you're feeling. He said, now watch what he says. And if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Just pause there for a second. Well, Daniel did what was right and Daniel was accepted. God answered Daniel according to what was right. So here, God was having this conversation uh, with Cain, he says, Cain, I can see from afar that you have poor soul health. Your thinking is way out of line. I can see the temptation that's inside your heart. I can see what you're about to commit. I can see that your soul is itching towards, it's got a certain inclination with a certain behavior in mind. I'm telling you now, uh, up front, that if you don't master this, it will have you. Wow. So Genesis 4, 7, if you do what is right, this is God speaking to Cain, you do, uh, will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Of course it desires to have you, but you must master it. In other words, you must get your thinking in such a place that it now begins to dictate to your emotions. Your emotions cannot be the leader of your thinking and your conclusion. Your thinking has to put your emotions in order. You have to get hold of the mind. You have to get hold of all wrong thinking. You have to get, so the soul does not tempt the mind and reason with the mind and then conclude and partner with the mind because the mind will follow the emotions because the emotions are strong. But the mind must be strong and it must only be strong, so it can only be strong when it is set. When it's set, 
So, when it gives birth, it gives birth to sin and to death. Now, can you ever conceive, and I conceive, that you having a wrong thing about Mrs. Jones, I don't know who your Mrs. Jones is, but let's just use Mrs. Jones as an illustration, or Mr. Jones as an illustration, and you don't, you have thoughts towards Mr. Jones and Mrs. Jones that are not quite right and don't fit what Scripture says. Now, the more you think and dwell on these thoughts, you may never have a conversation with Mr. Jones or Mrs. Jones, but your heart has already polluted. You've already committed sin. You've already created and given birth to sin. Why? Because your thoughts towards them are wrong. Now, have you ever contemplated the thought, what that does inside of you? That creates a blockage between you and your father. It now creates a delay in the response from heaven to you. It now, de- it now delays opportunities. It now puts a pin, it, put, it puts your potential on pause. Why? Because there are certain points that God can't go round. He has to come through. And he can't come through until your thinking and my thinking has put right. So many Christians can stand here and pastors can pray. He can be anointed as anything, but God cannot violate his own principles. If you will not put right, if you will not humble yourself and put what's right, sorry, put what's wrong in you and submit it before the Father and put it right, then God has no option than to stand back and says, this one's not ready. Now, in all that time you're not ready, your life is ticking by, your best strength is ticking by, the opportunities of life are ticking you by, everything's passing you by because you are slow to learn and you're not willing to unlearn, to relearn in order for God to teach you some things that you once could never see. It's all because of this thing called the heart and the pride that's in it. Wow. You know, protection, our peace, our protection, the promises of God are all suspended because things, can't, things have to pass through you and I. Wow. So let me bring you to a lady who understood the significance of wrong thinking and she had an internal issue that was about to be addressed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Learning is an attitude. Yes. This woman carried an internal attitude. She'd been bleeding internally for 12 years. 12 years. And at one point, all that was going on inside of her had to be arrested in order for a breakthrough to come. 12 years she carried this issue around with her. So let's pick it up. While he was speaking this, a ruler came and knelt uh, before him and said, my daughter has just died. That's a quite significant moment. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him. So did his disciples. Just then, just then she, she intervenes. He's on his way to doing one miracle and this woman gets up. Watch this. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding or suffering from a hemorrhage. Different translations. For 12 years. For 12, did I tell you it was 12 years? I just want you to understand the significance of how you and I can carry internal issues 
and understand why we're not getting breakthroughs. Watch this. We learn to work round what we don't get. We never stop and ask why. And we learn to comfort. We, sorry, we, we learn to foster our, our flaws and we learn to feed them and we learn to live with them rather than deal with them and rather than eradicate them. Watch this. Jesus got up and went to him, to his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding or suffering from hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, Ooh, underline that right there. She said to herself. Now it's going internal because her issue was internal. She now speaks to herself internally. She now has to have a conversation with herself that she has not had for 12 years. If only I touch his cloak, I will. Not I might, not I could be, I will be healed. Jesus turned, there's the response, and saw her. He said, woman, now I'm going to paraphrase for a second. Yes, I can see for 12 years you've been walking around with this issue. And today, you've decided to think and focus and humble yourself in such a way that you've not done before. And now I'm about to respond to you and deal with that, what has been troubling you internally. I can see you have had an issue with blood. And I'm about to respond because your heart and your thinking now align with the Father. Because I only do... What I see the father doing, and now headquarters is looking at this lady and looking at the, the son, he's saying, this one can be healed. Why? Because now she's ready. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed from that moment. Bless God. Now this woman, this woman knew Levitical law. This woman knew that in Levitical, Leviticus 15.26, she understood that there was a certain shame that came with an issue of blood and that she would have to go outside the camp and be ceremonially clean before she was allowed back in. So her touching Jesus would bring shame on her because she knows the Levitical law and she thinks, I can't touch him because I have an issue. And very often your issue you religiously think because you have an issue, you can't reach out to God because he won't touch you. I'm telling you, he's a lot more merciful than you think. We're not under Old Testament law. If we're willing to humble ourselves, see, there's the key, there's the green light, right? If we're willing to humble ourselves and acknowledge and surrender and, and, and forgive and let go and give in and let God come in, if we're willing to let God come in at that level, God can turn to us and say, woman, man, gentleman, church, whatever it is, I see that you are now making the right choice inside and I will move towards answering your request. So she said to herself, what is the significance of she said to herself? This woman had to rethink what she knew. She knew Levitical law. She knew Levitical law prohibited her from her touching and coming inside what that which she perceived was holy and righteous because in the Old Testament, they had to go outside. They weren't allowed inside the camp until they were cleansed, until that 
sickness had gone. Whether it was semen, whether it was a woman who was on a period, or whatever it was, they weren't allowed back in until that thing had been dealt with, and then they could come back in and be cleansed. And here, so there was a social distancing. And here, she now says to herself, knowing what she knows, if I just touch. She sensed that there was a new day and there was a new order. If she sensed there was a new day and a new order, she unthought what she once thought. She was willing to put a bar inside her thinking and rip it up and expose herself to a new thought, to a new thinking, to a new practice. And as she said to herself, she then moved By that conviction, she then moved towards him, touching his cloak. Jesus turned around and said, honey, I've been waiting for you. Me and the Father's been waiting for you for 12 years to come to a place of a new thought. And instantly, she was healed. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm telling you, it's possible today for Jesus to turn to you and come to wherever you're listening to me from today. I pray right now in Jesus' name that right now, if you put your hand towards the TV, really uh, just respond to what I'm saying right now. You can, you reach out to him. Don't come to me. Not listening to me. Listening to the Father speak to you. Oh, let his voice override your emotions. Let his voice override your stinking thinking. Let your voice eradicate what you've gone through, what you thought was the truth. And I want you to move right now in your house, wherever you are, I want you to move towards the truth, not to your experience. I want you to move right now and say, Father, today is the day that if I move towards you, if I move towards a new action and move towards a new thought, Father, I will be healed and I'll start the process of coming into soul health. So a healthy mind equals a healthy body. A healthy mind will equal an healthy body. And when I say body, I'm putting the soul inside that body. Now, neural pathways. Ah. Neural pathways are fantastic things. They explain how the brain works. Now, neural pathways get wider and wider the more you begin to think in a common way. Yes, neural pathways. When you repeatedly, when you and I repeatedly keep thinking the same thoughts, the pathways widen and they become entrenched. They become established neural pathways in your mind. Repeated thoughts tend to take away the least resistance so we get the same outcome. If I'm a person who is suspicious or I'm untrusting and that's my first inclination, that first inclination is because I've created a set of thoughts that's led me in a certain way that's now created this neural pathway that I find that natural rather than unnatural. So that's what I've learned. I've taught my mind how to think that way for so long now that that's become embedded in my neural pathways inside my mind. Wow. You've paved it over years and years and years. Now, think of a, think of a classic pattern for a second. You walk into a room or you're in the street and somebody doesn't, or you look at somebody but they don't respond instantly what you, the pathways you've already created is, can say, see, they ignore me today. See, I've been right all these years about that person. Why? Because now your thinking's going to the path of the least resistance. 
These pathways have been formed by your suspicions, by your doubts, by your fears, by your opinions. So now they've become entrenched within you. These are neural pathways that scientists and uh, neurologists can prove are actually there inside, inside your, yours and mine thinking. So you had no proof that what you have concluded is even true or right. But because your pathways are entrenched, you believe it's true and therefore you're right. Hmm. So what happens is you believe that that person either ignored you, is trying to marginalize you, doesn't love you, doesn't respect you, doesn't appreciate you. But in your mind, you think I'm absolutely right. I know I'm right. Why? Because I feel right. Oh. So, rather than take the hard shoulder approach, now you think about it, your thinking is like a superhighway. Some people only have one lane open in their mind. So everything goes down this one lane. Other people who have developed a positive neural pathway thinking have options. They can move round obstacles but when you've only got one entrenched thinking everything's coming through that filter but if you can open up a highway and look and look into into your by the spirit of god and because you've got sane emotions stable emotions you can create highways lanes that can help you move faster around obstacles so that you can get to your destination in life oh yeah so you know your brain is lazy. Yeah, your brain's lazy like mine. Well, rather than take the uh, hard shoulder, you didn't, uh, you don't, someone who's stuck in one lane, they never think about moving round. They're just happy to stay in the one lane. Well, you know, this morning I came to minister to you. Let me show, put this into principle for you. I got dressed this morning, had my shower, had my breakfast, had time with Carol, my wife. We were talking. I, I put my bag on. She says, I'll see you tonight, honey. Okay. I put my bag on my back. I'm walking out of the house. I'm walking to the car. And this strong, dominant thought came into my mind. Do you know what that thought said? Because I'm coming to minister to you today. This thought came into my mind. It was very strong. And it said this. What is the point of you speaking today? No one's going to listen to you. No one's listening to you since lockdown. No one's turning on YouTube channel. All that you're doing is no good. It's wasted. So what's the point? Now, I'm sure you would agree that's a pretty strong negative thought that came into my mind. And at first of all, for the first two or three seconds, I felt my emotions be affected. Stay with me for a second. I felt my emotions being affected. These are pretty negative uh, emotions, wouldn't you say? Well, and then instantly, because I'm not a one-lane thinker, and because I've already opened up new neural pathways that allow me to go round, I could see that was negative. And instantly I could feel the effects of a negative thought on me. But because, thanks to God, 
I, and thanks to other people who's helped me, I've got other lanes in my life. I could signal, mirror, or mirror, signal, and maneuver, and I could go round it. And this is what I told myself, and this is what you must tell yourself. The first thing I said was to myself, what evidence do you have to suggest what you've just thought? This is going on in real time in my mind. That negative thought has just bombarded me on the way to me ministering to you. And I said to myself, as I'm overtaking that negative thought, what evidence do you have to suggest that what you've just thought is true? And instantly I said, none. Move on. The next thing I said, so it's not true then, is it? No. Right. So now I'm well ahead of the game now. So I asked myself the third thing. So what's the worst thing can happen? I can go to church and I can minister and I can leave the results to the Holy Spirit. And if no one responds, then no one responds. But if someone does, that's be to God. Right then, do your job. Do what's right. Do what I've told you. End of story. Now, can you imagine if I had not have moved into the second lane or the third lane and I would have been trapped by the traffic in the first lane, can you imagine what would have happened? I would not have spoke to you with the conviction that I have today. I would have not have believed that God can change and minister to you. I would have not have prayed with the guys before we ministered this word. Why? Because the power of a negative thought creates internal bleeding, creates poor soul health. I cannot afford to stand before you with poor soul health. You cannot afford to stand before your father with poor soul health. Why? Create another lane. Move around. Get round it. Sometimes it's a wide load, but you've got to move round it. So the brain is lazy. Now, there is the long way. If you put your coordinates into your phone, your sat-nav, it'll ask you, do you want the shortest way or do you want the fastest way? Do you want the shortest way or the fastest way? Well, do you know what the fastest way is? The fastest way, sometimes it can be the long way, but it's the fastest way because you can move at a faster pace. Mileage-wise, it may be the longest. Motorways always take you the longest way, but they can be fast, be faster because you, you travel a lot faster. But if you want to know the shortest route, do you know what it is? Look the way the crow flies. The crow flies always, the crow, when it's flying, always takes the shortest way. Well, every time I unlearn, watch this, every time I unlearn, it may seem at first that I'm taking the longest way. Every time, I into, every time the Holy Spirit arrests your wrong thinking, every time you're challenged in that area, it may seem like it's the long way. And I'm telling you to persevere with it. Because what's the longest way, if you persevere with it, will become the fastest and the shortest way eventually. But you have to be prepared to go the long route in order for you to eventually move around it, drop gear, move around it, and speed ahead of this oncoming traffic or this obst obstacle. So I want to give you the conclusion Sorry, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to conclude this message now. Colossians chapter 2, verse 26. So then, Colossians 2, verse 6, sorry, 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him.
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which is thinking, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Every day, your mind, your emotions are looking to take you captive through this hollow, deceptive thinking, ideals, philosophy, conclusions. And there's enough people out there to agree with you. That's why when you're negative and I'm negative, we'll always look for somebody who agrees with us. Why? Because negativity also lives in other people. And you get someone who supports your negativity and you think that you've got a friend. It's called, I'll give you the the psychological term for it, it's called fake intimacy. You think you have a relationship with somebody because you feel the same way about someone else. But the moment that person changes their view, they're no longer your friend. Why? Because you've no more intimacy with them because they've had a change of thinking. They learn to drop gear and move round the obstacle, leaving you stuck in your lane. So Colossians tells us here to be rooted and built up in him. This requires new neural pathways to be built. They need to be rooted. Some need to be uprooted. Some need to be rerooted in order for them to be, become grounded in you. You must establish right now what's negative. Think of those people you most think about and ask yourself, what are the thoughts that I have about these people? Write them down in the positive column and in the negative and see which one outweighs the other one. And there's the proof. That's the evidence. How much you think about somebody and what you think about them. Well, tell me whether you're negative to that person. Now, don't just pick the people you like. Pick all the people you don't like. Or of those people who have done, you think have done you harm. And write those two lists down and you will see where your thinking lies in that area. If you're brave enough, if you want to be a Daniel, I suggest you do it today. So rooted and built up in him. Secondly, it says strengthened in the faith as you were taught. The pathway should not be blocked, but it should be opened and made fully accessible. Why? Because new things have to be added. Now, there's a time when, as new things are added, they flush out the junk. And there are times when new things can't be added until you have deliberately repented and asked the Holy Spirit to cleanse you so that new things can come. There is a difference. The next thing it says, an overflowing with thankfulness. Negative people can never show gratitude. And every time they do show gratitude, they think of another reason why they should take it back. Never begin an apology with an excuse. That's so good, I'm going to say that again. Never begin an apology with an excuse or a reason why you did it. An apology says, I take full responsibility for it and I will not do it again. If you come with an apology and then start giving someone an excuse and a reason, you're not coming with an apology. When you come to the Father, you don't give to God the reason why you sinned. He already knows. You say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, this is not doing me any good. Right, you don't do it with God, don't do it with other people. Overflow with thankfulness. Train your heart to be thankful, even when you've got feelings opposite. Be thankful for people that you don't particular have, a, have, have an affinity with. Be thankful for them. Be thankful for them. Bless them. Find ways of blessing them. 
Change your stinking thinking by a different action. And lastly, and see to it that no one takes you captive. Wow. This describes new pathways. You see, I, won't, I refuse to be a captive this morning because of my negative thought. I refused. Instantly, I addressed myself in a different way. Is it truth? Is it, where's the evidence for this? Right. What's the worst thing can happen? And I moved. I dropped gear and I moved round. Why? Because I would not be contained by a negative thought. So today, I want you to close your eyes. If you bow your head with me this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you are, I'm going to pray. I want you to think of the lady with the issue of blood. She was internally bleeding and it was embarrassing for her and there was shame attached. For you, you may not feel ashamed. You may feel you're entitled to something. You may feel you're entitled to an apology. You're entitled. You will not start repentance by feeling entitled. You start repentance by acknowledging the wrong in your heart. There are some words that are never coming back your way. Sometimes you're never going to hear, I'm sorry. You're never going to hear, forgive me. You're never going to hear. You must learn to live without those words. But you must have the approval of heaven. Well done. This is my son. Listen to him. Do what he says. Jesus was more interested in what the father had to say about him, what you and I had to say about him. So bow your heads, if you will, right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are listening in the camera today, those who are listening to on the podcast today. And Father, I know this message can go further and further and further. It can go into people's, it can go into homes and it it can go into people's ears and their eye gate in places I never could imagine. But Father, this is your word. I pray, Father, for those under the sound of this word, Father, that today there will be a breakthrough in the soul of those who are listening. I pray for Daniels to rise. I pray for the Daniel to set their minds on a new thinking. I pray, Father, Lord, that as they begin to set their minds, O God, that you would send all heaven's resources to respond to that which is right, that which is proper, that which is righteous on the ground. And Father, for those who were stuck in delay, for those who were stuck behind a wide load called obstruction, poor soul health, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would encourage them, O God, to to widen their neural pathways in the spirit so that they can move round and beyond all obstacles. Father, I pray for the soul health of those who are listening today. And I ask in the name, by the name, and through the name of Jesus Christ to manifest yourself in their lives this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I've had such a joy preaching this to you today. I've realized the significance of this message. So when I say joy, I'm just glad I've released it. And now it's it's in you, the hands of the receiver. And I pray that you'll take responsibility for it. But until I see you next week, remember Jesus Christ loves you. And uh, he's only a call away. Amen. God bless.